It's wonderful to be back on Search the Scriptures today with all of our listeners. We appreciate so much you tuning in. We are just gratified. We're thankful. We're encouraged by your being there each day. And I know that many of you are listening every day or virtually every day, and we're just so thankful for you. But we're, li- we're thankful that anyone, even if they'll tune in one time, we're thankful for that opportunity to share the teachings of God's Word with whomever will listen and to whatever extent they're able to listen or willing to. It's an opportunity for us to try to teach the truth to people and thereby uh, try to reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ and bring God glory by so doing. We uh, encourage you, if you would like to receive a copy of today's program or any of the programs and search the scriptures, they're always available to you. If you'll just contact us and ask for them, they're free. And there's no charge for the postage or handling. We'll take care of all of that. We never charge anything to put God's word out there. We want to help people learn the Bible better. That's fundamental to what we're trying to do on Search the Scriptures. So we'd love to hear from you. It's always wonderful to be here with Dennis Stackhouse to study the Bible. Thank you, Gary. I am certainly honored once more to be with you on the program today. And Boy, you're right. Uh, What a great opportunity we have here on Search the Scriptures to reach a number of people with God's Word and try to impart the truth to them. And that is uh, such an awesome responsibility we have as Christian individuals, and yet one that we delight in, having an opportunity like this. And really, we don't know how many people may come under the sound of this particular program. I mean, it could be just vast numbers of people eventually who have the opportunity to hear because, as many of our listeners know, it's not just over the radio station that they're hearing on a day-to-day basis, but also the program is available on our website, which goes around the world, literally. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It certainly does. And, of course, anybody can... Tap into that website at www.churchofchrist.com, www.churchofchrist.com. Lots of articles there, lots of mm-hmm. sermons on, on audio, as mm-hmm. well as sermon outlines, uh, lots of resource material that people can have, and it's always free. It is. Dennis, we want to continue with this study that we got into in our last program, uh, talking about how people can be just a Christian. Mm-hmm. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Sounds almost too simple, doesn't it? It really sounds simplistic, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm afraid to a lot of people, perhaps. But that is the true New Testament message. It really is. Just a Christian. Now, we kind of <laughs> were a little bit facetious. I mean, we were serious, but we tried to put it in a little humorous vein as we introduce this particular study, by saying this is a revolutionary message. Yes. Get ready for it. Mm-hmm. Here it is. You can be just a Christian. Yes. You don't have to be a member of a denomination. You don't have to be a member of some particular brand of Christianity. Mm-hmm. You can be just a Christian. Mm-hmm. And certainly, this is a message of purity. Yes. And it is a message of simplicity. Mm -hmm. It is a message of direction, and it is a message of common sense. Yes, it is. Now, we began to get into the purity of the idea, the concept 
of being just a Christian. In our last program, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, where the Apostle Paul was rebuking the church at Corinth because they were factionalized. They were kind of thinking in different directions. Yeah, they really were, Gary. Uh, They were aligning themselves after men for the most part. And as you mentioned, we don't know exactly why that was the case. Uh, Some of them may have been baptized by a particular preacher. Uh, Some may have heard one of the men speak or deliver a sermon. And they might have been really taken by what he said. And they just decided to align themselves with them. Uh, Someone like Paul or Apollos or Peter. And yet Paul says that cannot be. He did. In fact, he really put himself kind of at the forefront there and said, in essence, you were not baptized in my name. Mm-hmm. You were, I was not crucified for you. Right. He was saying, Christ is the one you need to be following. Exactly. And we tried to emphasize pretty emphatically, and I know that sounds redundant, but uh, for the sake of, of, of emphasis, that there is only God's way. Mm-hmm. It is Christianity is a system of purity mm-hmm. in that it is a system of truth based on God's word. Yes, it is. What we have done through denominationalism, the denominational concept, is we've convoluted it. We have turned it all different directions, confused the message because everybody's got their own brand or interpretation, that's not the way it's supposed to be. No, it really isn't. Uh, In fact, in the passage we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul encouraged his readers to be of the same mind and to speak the same thing. And what we see around us today is contrary to that. Yes, all kinds of messages Mm -hmm. are being communicated out there, all in the name of Christianity, Mm -hmm. many of them contradicting one another. They do. And great many of them not in keeping with what is taught in the scriptures. That's correct. People are going off in it with a different emphasis, something called a social gospel, Mm. where they really are focusing on society's needs Mm -hmm. uh, from social aspect you know, and now there's some good to that, but the biggest thing we need to remember about Christianity, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes, he did. He did not come primarily to feed the sick or or rather to feed the, the hungry or, or heal the sick mm-hmm. or clothe the, the uh, poor. No. He came to bring the gospel message of salvation. That's right. Now, can we do some of those other things? Is it proper, appropriate, even needed? Yes, Mm -hmm. but that's not the primary focus of Christianity. That's right. And certainly when we get into all of these different doctrinal positions that are not in keeping with what is laid out for us in Scripture, that's wrong. Yes, it is. And as we pointed out, it's not like going to a fast food hamburger place and Mm -hmm. just ordering a burger up your way. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever suits you, whatever tastes good to your palate, well, your spiritual palate needs to conform to the taste that God has designed for it to have. 
That's right. In Christianity. Mm-hmm. When we have all of these different brands, denominations, names, doctrinal positions, many of which contradict one another, and many of which go off in directions that are not in conformity with Scripture, that's not pure Christianity. No, it certainly isn't, Gary. Uh, As you've said already, God has established the standard. God has established the way. He made the pattern. And if we are to be Christians in the true sense of the word, we need to conform our lives to that pattern and not the other way around. Exactly right. And again, it might sound chic. It might sound politically correct. It might sound, again, more acceptable to the individual if we can just kind of say, well, you've got your way, I've got my way. Mm-hmm. Hey, over there, they've got their way. It's different from your way and my way. We can't all be right and still be living in the truth, teaching the truth. No, we really can't. As we said in the program yesterday, the truth is rather narrow. It certainly is. And the truth is uh, established by God's standard, not mm-hmm. ours. That's right. Now, so Paul rebukes the Corinthian congregation for their division. He comes back to it in the third chapter and verses 1 through 4. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Now that word carnal is used to indicate what? Worldliness or fleshly? Yes, yes. Now by their division, notice that he says. Mm Mm-hmm. Where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, Mm -hmm. are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Mm -hmm. The very principle of the existence of division among them indicated their carnality. Yes, it did. That they were moving by the ways of the world Mm -hmm. or of the flesh Mm -hmm. and were not tuned in properly spiritually. That's right. Uh, They were not focused again on the pattern that God had established for them. Exactly right. Again, see, we need to pay attention to these principles of Christianity. This idea of division is not a minor thing. Oh, no, not at all. It's rebuked strongly. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, Paul deals in a lot of these 16 chapters in this first letter to the Corinthians with the idea, the problem that they were having of division. Yes, he does. Now, if it was that serious, that so quickly after that congregation had been established, God inspired the Apostle Paul to write this letter of rebuke and correction to that particular congregation because of their division, we need to pay attention to it today ourselves. Well, we absolutely do, because all of this was written for our instruction as well. You know, obviously it was written 
to the Christians who were alive at the point that these letters were given, but we are also to learn from, to benefit from, and to direct our lives according to these things that are written. We certainly are. Now let's turn to Second Peter chapter 1 and verses 20 and 21. And Peter addresses this idea of having it your way. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For no prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Peter is saying there that Scripture is not a matter of how you want it, or I want it, or you see it, or I see it. It's the way God sees it. Exactly. And how we see it needs to coincide with the way God sees it. It certainly does. Now, see, this is exactly what a lot of people say. Well, you've got your interpretation. I've got my interpretation. We've got our interpretation. Over there, they've got their interpretation. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I've got a cousin. They've got their interpretation where he goes to. Mm -hmm. Well, again, truth is narrow. Mm -hmm. Truth is not open to private interpretation when it comes to God's truth. Peter says so here. That's right. He certainly does. We can't just decide, well, everybody's got their own interpretation, so who's to say what's right? Mm -hmm. I know who says what's right. God says what's right. He does. He's got it laid out for us in Scripture. Yes, he does. Now, it's not excusable to say, well, but who's to know what the truth really is? Mm -hmm. I think Jesus covered that one too, didn't he? He certainly did. John chapter 8, verse 32. Oh, yes. You shall. Jesus spoke about the fact that we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. So he didn't say you might know the truth, did he? No, no. He didn't say, I'd sure like for you to know the truth. Not at all. Maybe you'll stumble upon the truth. No. He said, you shall know the truth Mm -hmm. and the truth shall make you free. That's right. So if there are all of these different interpretations on doctrinal matters, we better get back to God's word and do it his way because his way is the truth. His way is the truth. That's right, Gary. And And the absolute truth. Yes, and we need to conform ourselves to that truth. No question about it. In John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, the night of Jesus' betrayal. He's in the upper room with the apostles and he prays to God. The next day he's going to be on the cross. It perhaps is even more significant that he prays this particular prayer on the night of his betrayal knowing that this would be his last night during his public ministry before the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. Yes. What does he say in those two verses? I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, that kind of unity that he's praying for there, pretty absolute. No, yes, it certainly is. He's using the unity 
or the oneness that he and the Father have in heaven mm-hmm. as the standard mm-hmm. that he wants his followers to have on this earth. Yes, and again, that is the highest possible standard. Do you suppose that that God the Father and God the Son have disagreements over what the truth is? No, not at all. That's beyond conception, isn't it? It really is, and I had to stop and think about that for just a moment. But <laughs> no, they're not going to have disagreements about what truth is. God the Father is not going to have one version of the truth and God the Son have a different version. No, certainly not. In fact, Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm -hmm, He did. So he's talking about an absolute, complete unity, Mm -hmm. oneness between himself and the Father. And he says, that's the standard that I want Mm -hmm. for my followers on this earth. That's exactly what he said. Absolute, complete unity, agreement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in what is doctrinally correct. Yes, and anything else or anything less would be unacceptable. And, of course, that conforms exactly with the principle that the Apostle Paul laid out in that opening chapter to the Corinthians. In First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, he says, you know, I urge you, brethren, that there be no divisions among you. Yes. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's right. Not the way you want to have it. Mm-hmm. Not open to private interpretations. Mm-hmm. Not what according to what makes you feel good. Not according to what this particular brand of Christianity says or that denomination. But no divisions. Perfectly joined together. Mm-hmm. Same mind. Same judgment. And that's exactly what Jesus prayed for. He did. That was God's plan. Now, we can't do any better than that. (laughs) No, we can't. And when we come up short of that, we're coming up in a bad position. We are, for a fact. We've got to do it God's way. Because the idea of being just a Christian is, remember, a message of purity Mm -hmm. and the purity of God's truth is at the base of that. Yes, it certainly is. Now, the second point is being just a Christian is also a message of simplicity. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the simpler, the better. Yes. We noted Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. What does that say again? And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. You know, we live in an in age of high technology, mm-hmm. at least in comparison to what other generations knew. Yes. Of course, every generation, for a long time, for many generations their level of technology has far surpassed all of the generations before that. Yes. We think we're pretty far along right now. Oh, sure. The next generation is going to far surpass us. (laughs) Yes, it will. Unless the Lord comes again first. Mm -hmm. And the next generation after that, the next generation after that. Mm -hmm. Now, that's fine. Technology is great. It certainly can benefit our lives. 
But uh, there's also a great deal to be said for simplicity. Mm, there is. We need to remember that things that work well on a simpler basis are just as powerful, in some cases more powerful, than getting them all confused, perhaps, through a great deal of extra technicality that's not necessary. Mm -hmm. That's right. Effectiveness does not, it, it does not necessarily mean that something has to be super sophisticated. No, not at all. One of the simplest ways for a husband and wife to have a great marriage is to simply be in love with each other. <laughs> yes. It's not going to be based upon how much money they spend on each other, what kind of super complex vacations they take, or all of the gadgets that they buy and utilize in their homes. I love you. That's the simple message that's mm -hmm. going to be most profound mm -hmm. in developing and maintaining and growing their relationship. You know, again, thinking in terms of simplicity, Gary, Paul perhaps put it as simply as it could be put when he said that love never fails. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8. That's right. Love never fails. Yes. Well, the truth is basically simple. Mm -hmm. Now, we get it all confused. <laughs> yes. We complicate it. But in its basic form, it is pretty simple. It really is. It is this way mm -hmm. and no other way. We need to, again, submit our will to God's will and surrender our will to his truth. We sure would hope, uh, we sure would be glad to hear from our listeners today, and we'd be glad to send them a copy of this program on CD for free. Again, we'll pay the postage. We'd also love to send you a free copy of that Bible study we offer every day, and you can begin to search the scriptures for yourself and see what the truths are waiting for you there as to how to conform your will to God's will in the simple pure form of Christianity that he has laid out in his word. We hope to hear from you today.